of James, book of James, probably, if not the first epistle written, even before the epistles of Paul, book of James, written. So it is one of the earliest letters to the church written by the, the brother, if you want to call him half-brother of Jesus, amen, to the church. Very powerful, powerful teaching in the Word of God. All right, James chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. If you have it, say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. See if I can find it here. I think it's in the Bible somewhere. New Testament, right? Okay. I might have to get Brother Timothy to come over here and find it for me. <laughs> uh, Y'all give me about five more seconds. Okay, I found it. Thank you, Jesus. Didn't need Brother, didn't need Red Hot to come up here and get me straightened out. All right, chapter 3 and verse 13. <clears throat> okay, we're going to deal with true and false wisdom today. Now, there is a lot, a lot in these verses, okay? A, a lot in these verses, verses 13 through 18, okay? Uh, so, praise the Lord. True and false wisdom, beginning with verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Okay? This wisdom <clears throat> descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. You see that? Earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise for it. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> right, true and true and false wisdom. <clears throat> you are a intelligence officer. I don't know if you know that or not. You are an intelligence officer. Each each government, uh, most governments have intelligence in their government. They call them intelligence officers. And what they do is they gather knowledge. They build knowledge up. They gather knowledge. And what, what normally that knowledge deals with is the way that you uh, understand the plans of the enemy, what their strategies are. You study their strategies. You study their movements. You intercept conversations that the enemy is having so that you can, as you gather this information or this knowledge it's called intelligence right so the intelligence is the gathering or the building up of of the facts or the information that you have dealing with the enemy dealing with your strategy as a government how you're going to handle the enemy 
When any, move, any enemy moves a certain way, how are you going to handle the movement of that enemy? Different situations come up or arise within the nation. How are you going to work with those situations? What do you do in life? What do you do about these different things that will rise up within your government? And so when James begins to talk about wisdom, he says, who is a wise and a man and endued with knowledge? That word knowledge is what I'm talking about. It is a very rare term in the New Testament that is used. We don't see it. Uh, we see the word knowledge many times, but we don't see the Greek word behind it. Okay, And what, what that word is knowledge here in verse 13 has to do with that very high level of intelligence. It is a specialized intelligence. It is a heavenly intelligence. Okay? And what John, James is talking about is that there is an intelligence, okay? A very high level of intelligence, it's heavenly, that you and I must have in order to live the Christian life. You must know, as a believer, you must know the movements of the enemy. You must know how he works, what his plans are, what his strategy is, what is he trying to do, okay? How is he trying to destroy your life? What is going on with the enemy? You need to know that. But you also, as a Christian, need to know what you're going to do as a Christian. How to live the Christian life. Because if you do not live the Christian life, if you begin to live according to the ways of this world, then you have given yourself over to the hand of the enemy. He captures you. And he will eventually destroy you. And if he can, he will destroy your family. So you have to understand his ultimate purpose is to tempt you, to entice you, to allure you away from the truth. And then James have already talked about this, that you have a fallen nature and I have a fallen nature. It's called the evil inclination. And if we give in to that, it brings death. And so the enemy will come into your life. You have to understand this. You have to have high level intelligence. The enemy will come with temptations, with, with battles, with trials um, to seek to cause you to walk away from your faith in Jesus Christ and to capture you and to take you into the world so that you'll be lost. You have to understand that you have an enemy today. Amen. And the strategy that you have as a Christian is the way that you live as a Christian so that you don't become a victim to the enemy, all right? Because he wants to destroy every one of you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy myself, my family, the church. Anything that has to do with God, He wants to destroy it. It is His plan and He'll do anything and He'll do everything possible to do that. He will tempt you. He will entice you. He will cause all kinds of problems to come into your life. And then, when, But here's what's interesting. If you give in to the enemy, He will pay you for getting out of the will of God. Let me say it again. He will pay you for getting out of the will of God. It's called the re what I what I believe God's told me the rewards of hell. Okay, so He'll throw everything He possibly can at you to entice you, to tempt you, to cause you to fail in your walk with God, to capture you, to go back into the world. But then, when you get into the world, He'll for a while, for a season, He will reward you for leaving the church. 
So you have to have a high level intelligence. You have to know the movements of the enemy. What is he doing? What's his strategy? What's going on? And I've basically told you what his ultimate plan is. But you then, as a Christian, I have a high level intelligence. You have a high level intelligence. You know how to live the Christian life. Amen? How many of y'all know how to live the Christian life? Well, it's not real hard. It's pretty basic. You spend time with God. You draw near to God. You pray. You stay in the Word of God. You stay faithful to the house of God. Amen? You serve God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Pretty basic. You start there and you will be victorious. You live a holy life. You don't give in to this world. Amen? You overcome the wicked one when he comes in your life. So there is a way to live for the Lord. Now, James, this high-level intelligence officer is going to talk about different kinds of wisdom. There's two kinds of wisdom. There's the wisdom of the world, which is earthly, sensual, and demonic. His ways, the ways of the enemy. And then there's the intelligence that a Christian needs to have in order to be successful in their Christian life, and that is heavenly wisdom, or wisdom that comes from God. Wisdom that comes from the Word of God. Amen? Praise the Lord. So we're going to jump right into this right now. So how many intelligence officers do I have in here today? Christian intelligence officers. All right. You have to be if you're going to make it and survive. You have an enemy, but you also have a God that loves you, and He wants you to make it. Amen? Now, if you choose to go away from God, His ways, and go away from God, He'll let you go to hell. You end up in hell, he's not going to reach down and pull you out. He'll, he'll cry, he'll re look down the walls of the pit and weep over you, but he'll let you go there. He won't pull you out, so you've got to know that. So you've got to fight in this Christian life, okay? Because the enemy wants to destroy you. How many of you know you have an enemy? Amen? Okay, and then you have God. So we've got to understand his ways. The wisdom from above and the wisdom from below. Now, verse 13. Who is a wise man? Starts out with a challenge. This is very unique because most of the time, James will start out a different section by saying, my brethren. And then he'll give a command. My brethren and give a command. Here, one of only a couple of places in the book of James, he starts out a new section by asking a question. And the question that he asks is a challenge. It is a challenge to every one of us. Who is a wise man and endured with, endued with knowledge among you? Now that's a challenge. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? James is asking that question. But when he asks that question, it is a challenge to you and is a challenge to me to be people of wisdom and high-level intelligence concerning the things of God. <clears throat> verse 14. Oh, let me finish verse 13. Let him show out of the good conversation his works with meekness of what? Wisdom. James says if you are a high-level intelligence officer in the kingdom of God, which means you have high-level intelligence about Christianity and the Christian faith, then you will show that conversation, we use the term conversation, uh, as something that's verbal. But, okay, that's the way we use it. 
But in the days when the Bible was being written, that word conversation didn't mean just what you verbalize. It meant the way that you lived. It meant your behavior. So James says, if you're a wise man and you are endued with knowledge about the Christian faith, then he says, you are to show that. It's demonstrated by deeds. It's demonstrated by works. It's not saying, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I love God. It's proven by the way you live. It's proven by the behavior that you have in your life if you are a true believer or live in the Christian life. Okay? So it's not just something we say. It's something we do. So James says, Who is a wise man and dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of the good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. If you are a person of wisdom, you're walking with God, it will be seen in your Christian behavior or your behavior period, all right? In life. You can't separate who you are from your actions. You can't say, I'm a Christian and live like the devil. It don't work that way. Amen? The way that we live, the behavior that we have in our life proves if we are truly walking from, with wisdom from above, all right? As a Christian. So let him show out of a good conversation. That's behavior. His what? Works with what? Meekness, that's humility of what? Of wisdom. <clears throat> so you're going to be a humble person when you walk in the wisdom of Christianity. You'll be humble. You're not going to be prideful. Amen? You're not going to be arrogant. See, let me, let me just say this to you. If, if the enemy ever captures you, you know what will keep you from getting back to the church? You want to keep, what will keep you from getting back to the church is this. You will, if you get captured and you're no longer in the church of the living God, in your mind, in your heart, you're going to know, I need to get back. That's going to come to you. I need to get back where I need to be. I know I'm wrong. I need to get back to the church. But you know what's going to happen? There'll be escorts from hell that will come to you. And one of those escorts from hell is pride. Why a lot of people don't make it back, even though they know they should get back, is because the escort from hell called pride gets a hold of them. And because of their pride, I can't go back. <clears throat> you have to understand that. So when you're walking in wisdom, <clears throat> you're going to walk in humility. You're not going to have pride in your life because if you do, you will not succeed in this Christian life. Okay, amen. Okay, verse 14. He's going to describe for us now the wisdom that is earthly and sensual and demonic. Now before I get into that, look at with me please verse 15. The wisdom which is uh, from below, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. We'll talk about it in a minute. Okay? So James talks about the origin of this earthly wisdom. Where does it come from? Well, he says the first source of earthly wisdom is earth. And then it's the senses, and then it's the devil. Before I get too deep into this, let me tell you, that doesn't mean that everything, all wisdom in this world is bad. Okay, he's not saying that. All earthly wisdom is not bad. Okay, <clears throat> because you may go to a mechanic 
and a mechanic works on your car, but the mechanic that works on your car is not a believer. But they've got wisdom to fix your car. So it's not wrong for you to go to a mechanic who's not a believer who knows how to fix your car. You may go to a doctor who has wisdom in the area of medicine and he's not a believer. In fact, he may serve, serve another God. Now, you better be careful, but anyway. The point being that all wisdom uh, of this earth, you know, teachers that you might listen to or whatever, or a doctor or a mechanic, all wisdom that's earthly is not bad. But what he's doing is a comparison between the wisdom of this world that opposes God versus the wisdom that's, that's from God. Okay? That's what we're talking about. All right? So first of all, he talks about uh, uh, this certain kind of wisdom that's not from above. It's earthly. Now, how can you discern when, when <clears throat> wisdom is coming your way that's earthly? Well, I, I like to call it the good old boy gospel. The good old boy gospel. <clears throat> you with me here? Wisdom that comes from the earth is, is always going to question God. Wisdom that is earthly. When you talk about earthly wisdom, this is wisdom that comes out of the mouth of the ungodly. Okay, for example, if <clears throat> you serve God, faithfully, you go to church often, you pray, let's say you bring your tithes and offerings to the Lord. Good old boy wisdom will come to you, the earthly wisdom, and say, why are you giving that to God? Give it to me. They'll question your commitment to God and your devotion to God and the way that you live for the Lord. In the air of holiness, oh, you don't need to do that. Are you all awake? If somebody comes to you and says, you don't need to do that. You, we, don't, we used to do that. We don't do that anymore. The area of holiness. Well, I don't think, you know, I think going to church once, once a, a week is enough. That's the wisdom of this world. Oh, don't, don't give so much to God. That's the wisdom of this world. You see, it's a good old boy gospel. It's the world. Okay, the next one is, okay, so let me back up here. I'm trying to gather my thoughts here. Has anybody ever, don't lift your hand, but anybody ever come to you with earthly wisdom, ungodly counsel? They start talking to you, trying to use reason on you, but you know it goes against the Word of God. You know it goes against God's wisdom. But it's, I call it a good old boy gospel. We just, are we all going to heaven? We're just all good old boys, you know. Yeah. Okay, you with me? <clears throat> Next one is sensual. And okay, so that this uh, wisdom that is earthly and that uh, comes from below is sensual. So if it feels good, do it. Anybody ever told you that before? Don't lift your hand. Well, if it feels good, just do it. If, if it feels good, it can't be so bad. See, that's sensual. It's related to your senses. What makes you feel good? But the Word of God does not tell us to go by our senses. The Word of God tells us that we must walk by faith in the Word of God. You give your heart, you give your, yourself to your emotions, the way that you feel, your senses. If you're always trying to look for a way to feel good, 
then you are operating according to sensual wisdom. It gratifies the senses. We are people of faith, not people of feeling. Amen? You start going by your feelings, it'll take you out of the church all day long. Or you start relying upon your own reasoning ability, that earthly wisdom, and the way you feel about things. Well, I feel this was wrong, and I feel this was wrong. Well, what does the Bible say? Well, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. Well, what does the Bible say? Well, I feel, I feel. You know that old song, Feelings? Nothing more than feeling. Man, you get caught up in the feelings and the emotions of things, it'll lead you away from God. Well, I feel this and I feel that. Well, what does the Bible say? See, we're people, by, we're a people of faith. We're not people who are governed by our senses or by our feelings. That'll get us in trouble, okay? The next one is demonic. The next source is demonic. And what the devil does, the demonic, the spirit world, comes to you <coughs> and seeks to come to me and, and talks into my ear to give in to the earthly wisdom and the sensual wisdom, okay? The words that, that come from the ungodly and the, you know, looking for a way to feel good. So the devil comes and he whispers in your ear, now go for that. Right? But specifically speaking, Deuteronomy 18 talks about certain demonic communications where you can actually get involved with communication with the spirits. Okay? Um, horoscopes. Horoscopes or psychics. That type of, those type of things. You can so-called get in, in contact with demonic spirits through the psychics, through the horoscopes. And read Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 18 when you have a time uh, and you'll see what I'm talking about. That these people receive information from demonic spirits. Fortune tellers, demonic spirits, horoscopes, demonic spirits. And what they will always do, uh, these demonic spirits, because they're connected to Babylonianism, okay, horoscopes, fortune tellers, those things are connected to Baal worship, Babylon. And what is the goal of Babylon's religion? To deify yourself, and it is confusion, but it is to deify yourself. You're God. You don't need to listen to anybody. You're God. You can be as God. Right? And so ultimately, that's the purpose of, of the demonic world is to seek to make you and I live independent of God. That's the way the world lives, independent of God. We don't need God. We don't need the church. Amen? We're going to go by our feelings. What makes us feel good? What satisfies us? What we want. What we need. Give me what I want. Give me what I'm looking for. See, that's the wisdom of this world. It's sensual and it's demonic. I want what I want. And nobody's going to tell me any different. Give me what I want. The problem is today is that most churches operate in the area of earthly wisdom. Oh, come to our church and you can do whatever you want to do. Come to our church and <clears throat> we'll give you whatever you want. A lot of pastors today don't 
function in high-level Christian intelligence. They function in the intelligence of the world. They look at the world the way the world operates. You look at their churches. <clears throat> their churches are set up based on entertainment. Not based on theology. Not based on the Word of God. But what makes people feel good. Give, them what, give the people what they want. Well, you, you start going down that road of giving people what they want, what's going to make them feel good. You're going to have numbers, man. They're going to flock to your church because you're building it on the ways of this world. You're building on entertainment. That's why there's very little theology in the, in the churches today. They don't, a lot of preachers don't stand up and preach the Bible anymore, and I thank God for the ones that do. But a lot of preachers don't do that. See, well, we, we, we don't want to get into that. You know, We don't want to teach the Bible. We just want entertainment. So that when the people come, they feel good, and we give them what they want, and we got the numbers. And not only that, but we get to brag about how 300 people came to faith in Jesus Christ last Sunday. How do you know that? Well, they signed. We had 300 cards that were signed, you know, that these people came to faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's not what we're after. And that's not what God is after. <clears throat> he does not want us to allow the world to come in here and the entertainment of the world to come in here and the dress of the world to come in here where we're, we're actually trying to look like the, the latest movie star. Man, I tell you what, I've seen preachers, they get up and preach, they look more like people that are in the, in the gangs trying to relate to the newest movie star, you know? Look like the newest movie star. The hairstyles and the tattoos. And if you have, if you have tattoos before you got in God, I'm not talking to you. But I'm talking about, man, some of these people flaunt their tattoos and everything because they're trying to be cool. They're trying to fit in. What are they? They are major, they're high-level intelligence officers for the world. Not for God. And that's why they have the numbers they have. Okay? Because they'll give the people what they want. They'll give them, and you can do whatever you want to do. We don't win. No, don't worry about holiness here. Don't worry about preaching against sin here. Don't worry about dealing with sin here. You just come and you can keep living like you want to live. Live like the devil. Dress like the devil. And we're just going to entertain you and make you feel good. And we're going to give you what you want. Most churches operate by the wisdom of this world. We can have it in here. Amen? Take a worldly song, you know, and just put Jesus in it. Yeah, no, 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 we're not doing that. Praise the Lord. Are the world are dancing like the world. We're going to bring the dance of the world into our church. We're going to dance like the world. Really? Well, we're gonna bring a we're gonna bring a movie star in and let a movie star entertain you, and they can sing about Jesus. Well, they have a great voice, and in some cases they were raised in the church, but they're backslid into the world. You would be you would be shocked. I told you this before. How many people today, if I were to call them by your name, and you know them because they've made a name for themselves in the genre of music? If I called them by name, you would know who they are. And many of those people were raised in oneness, Jesus-named churches. Yeah. 
But they took their talents and gave it to the world, gave it to the devil. But because they got that background now, we're going to, you know, they've made a name for themselves. Man, I, I'm just going to be, I'll tell you, not long ago I watched a, a program. <clears throat> it was an award ceremony for music, so-called Christian music. They had Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg on the platform. Now don't go look up who you don't know who Snoop Dogg is. Don't go look up Snoop Dogg. He's the most one of the most vile, evil, sinful individuals that you'll ever find. And they had him at that Christian music award ceremony on the platform. Why? Because he's made a name for himself. And they're promoting flesh. They're promoting self. It's all about promoting yourself. It's always a, it's about that's what it's about. It's not about God. Hey, how, how in the world are you going to take somebody like that? The one minute singing about the most vile and godly things, and then the next minute he's standing on the, on the platform singing about Jesus. Snoop Dogg can't worship God. Snoop Dogg is not saved. But that's what I'm telling you. That's where we are. Where a lot of churches are heading that way, man. It's about entertainment. It's about, you know, and those preachers, boy, they're masters at the wisdom of this world. They don't stand up and preach the Word of God. They talk about things that are going to make you feel good. Promoting the flesh, not the kingdom of God. And they've got thousands of people. And some of you listen to their preaching. You send, you probably, maybe some of you send them offerings. And they send you a Bible with their name on it. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. And it's a psychology <coughs> that they're giving to the people. Hallelujah. There's nothing, there's no theology, there's no teaching of the Word of God. It's just a feel good thing. It's based on, uh, it's not Christian psychology either, Christian counseling. No, it's based on the world, man. I'm just asking you, asking you, how can somebody like Snoop Dogg, he's just an example, one day talking about, singing about the most ungodly, vile things, you understand? Don't, they don't, I mean, they, they sing about women. How do they sing about women? And they get them to Jesus. Okay? And that's what James is talking about here. He's talking about this worldly wisdom. It is earthly. It is sensual. It what you feel like makes you feel good. And it is demonic. It's not from God. Say praise the Lord. <clears throat> now, I, I'm not totally against, uh, you know, recreation and things like that. I, I think God wants you to enjoy your life. But I'm talking about clear cut. When I see a preacher, the first thing I do, you say, we're not supposed to judge a book by a cover. Well, I do. <clears throat> first thing I do, when I, if I, and I hardly ever listen to any of those wackos. So you're not supposed to call them wackos. Okay, I'm sorry. I know they're your favorite. But when I, when I, if I do, if I flip the channel, if I ever do, which I hardly ever do anymore because I just got sick and tired of listening to them. 
First thing I do is look at them and see how they dress. Are they trying to look like the world, fit it like the world, man? They do. I'm not listening to them. Because they, they have got this wisdom that's operating in them that's the wisdom from the world. There's churches today. They will forsake. People who know holiness, they know about holiness. They live it. I've seen churches, whole denominational systems, man, that once had a, a strong holiness in, in their background, and they forsook that. And I'll tell you, if you have, you listen to them, and I'm not going to call them by name, but if you listen to them when they were walking in holiness, when they used to preach, I'm talking about even the women can move you, man. When they were walking in holiness, they could preach, man. And the women, even the women ministries would move you. But, but, what, so what I do sometimes, I'll go back and I'll listen to them when they were in holiness, and I'll fast forward into the present. And I'll look and see, have they changed? And if they've changed, that means they've forsaken holiness. Now I listen for the power. And every time, brothers and sisters, I've noticed about women who have forsaken holiness, they get up and preach, they don't have the power that they used to. They fell for the trap. They fell for the lie. Who go for the styles of the world, dress like the world. Amen? Preachers giving in to it. I said, I told my wife just the other day, I said, I don't, I don't understand how such a powerful man of God could give in to that. And I said, I don't know if it's just the pressures uh, that he was under or what, could give in to that, you know. But let me tell you, brother, what, it, what I'll tell you ultimately what happens is the wisdom of the world gets a hold of the pulpit and the wisdom of the world gets a hold of the pew. And God's not in it. And you bring all that junk, you bring that worldly musician in, that worldly choir that's dressed like the world, looks like the devil, it is flaunting their flesh and parading their flesh. I want to tell you what's happened. God will be there for a while. But after a while, God said, I'm not competing with this. And the glory of God, the Spirit of God will walk out of that church. And they'll keep on functioning. They'll keep on singing. They'll keep on preaching. God is not there. You can write Ichabod over the door of their church. God is not there. But they've learned to go through the motions. They've learned to sing. They know how to hit the notes. They know. And when they preach, the anointing is not there. But when they preach, they know how to, they know how they've learned the art of preaching. God is not there. And the reason God is not there is because He will not compete with the entertainment of this world in what, what is supposed to be His church. People dancing, you know, provocatively in the house of God. That's God. Oh, yeah. And then they don't have hardly any clothes on. You hear what I'm telling you today? No. So why are they doing that? Because they want to reach the world by becoming like the world. That's earthly, sensual, and demonic. It is not God's way and God's wisdom from the Word. And that's what James... So you have to govern that. As a Christian, you have to look at that. 
You say, well, what wisdom is working right here in this pastor? What wisdom is working in that congregation? Is it the wisdom of God or is it the wisdom of the world? Okay? You can see them. I know, I know personally people who used to be in holiness, personally, used to be in holiness. When they started a church, they went charismatic. Man, they, they dressed just like the world. Anything goes. Okay, that's not from God. Well, we got numbers. Who cares? God's not there. Okay, so you can look at me like you all you want to, praise the Lord. But we have to be careful. And I told my wife, I said, even with the music that we sing in the choir, we got to be careful. Because some of the music that we sing in the choir, if we're not careful, you know, it's just na 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 there's no theology in that. There's no God exalting, God glorifying stuff. And Yeah, but I felt good. Made me feel good. Okay, that's sensual. I'm not supposed to be going by feelings. Now, and I believe that if if it's God, you sing it to the glory of God. You got some theology in the song. I believe that will make you feel good. But that'll be wisdom that's from above, not wisdom that's from underneath, from hell and the world. <clears throat> Praise God. I know all I got to do if I want numbers is to turn this, take this church and turn it into a crowd. But God did not call us to take a church and turn it into a crowd. He called us to take a crowd and to turn it into a church. <clears throat> so we just can't let anything come in. Unholy, ungodliness come in, you know, just for the sake of numbers. Can't do it. Because that's the wisdom that's from beneath. And if we're not careful, we'll give in to that, man. Yeah. Everybody awake? So those are the sources. Earthly comes from the ungodly. Sensual, what makes you feel good. And demonic, the devil whispering into your ears. And in some case, going after knowledge through witchcraft, sorcery, fortune-telling, etc., etc. Hallelujah. What wisdom are you listening to today? Hallelujah. You give in to the wisdom of this world, pretty soon you're going to reconcile with the world. And not only are you going to reconcile with the world, you're going to reconcile with the haters of God's church if you leave God's church. That's what will happen to you. Because you start thinking like them. You start talking like them. You start having the philosophy that they've got. And now we're all reconciled together again. Ooh, that's not saying a good thing. You've got a known enemy of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're going to reconcile with them? That tells me that you, you got sucked into the wisdom of this world. Hallelujah. Everybody awake now? Okay, so that's why as a church... We have to do it God's way. So you get somebody strutting around. You know, you've seen some preachers, right? Strutting around, showing off, 
<clears throat> full of pride, man. Just full of pride. Reek with pride. That's not wisdom from heaven. That's wisdom from beneath. It's earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic. Uh, there should be a preaching of the Word of God, a delivering of the Word of God. Hallelujah. And the Spirit of God in that place. A God-honoring thing. Now, so that's the sources of uh, this earthly wisdom, this wisdom from beneath. Now he talks about what you can see in it when somebody's given to those, to that earthly wisdom. Verse 14. But if you have bitter envying, say bitter envying. First of all, envy. The word envy comes from the Greek word zealous. And it means you're, you have a red, you're on fire. But the fire that you have is to promote your own ideas. Okay? Is everybody awake here? So if you are working by the wisdom of this world, then you want, you're jealous. Zealous or jealous. Somebody's getting attention in the church. You want that attention. Somebody's getting recognized in the church. You want to get recognized. Everybody awake? You're jealous of other people. You know, from time to time as a pastor, I'll have people, guests that will come. And I just want to preach the Word of God to them. I wanted to be saved. Wanted to, to be to live for the Lord, and after a while, I will just will try to reach out to them. You know, try to help them, try to show them the truth, do everything we can, you know, to see them come in the kingdom of God, and um, do it with humility and love, and let them know we care about them. But after a while, you find out what makes them tick. If it's about God, you'll find out real soon. If it's about God, if it's about them, you'll find out real soon if it's about them. And, pretty, and, and not long ago, I had somebody, you know, and I have nothing against this person, but they came up and they were coming to church and they were talking the Word of God with me. And we enjoyed talking the Word of God with them. And then they said, so they said to me, Pastor, I want to give you some papers. I want you to look at my sermons. I want you to look at my... She didn't call them sermons. But she said, I want you to look at the things, that my revelations that I've had from the Lord. And I said, sure. I said, bring them. And she said, I'm going to get somebody a copy for them and give them to you. And I said, oh, sure. Yeah, go ahead and find somebody to make copies and, and I'll take a look at them. <clears throat> well, she brought them. There's nobody here to take make copies of them. So she, she said, nobody's here to take, make, make copies of them. But here's that stuff I was telling you about. And I, and I said, well, I said, I can take it and look at it and give it back to you. She said, no. So she held on to it, walked away, held on to it. And after service, she changed her mind. She says, here you go. You can look at it. When I took it home, and as soon as I got home, I started thinking in my spirit, I don't know if I should look at this. Something in my spirit told me there was just some things in there that, you know, this wasn't right. Okay? And But I, but I went ahead, you know, curiosity got the cat. And, Curiosity killed the cat. 
<laughs> right? So I opened it up and I pulled it out and right on the very top was her ministry credentials. Okay? I'm going, hmm, you want me to know you're a minister, huh? Minister credentials right up front. Okay, well I looked at that and then she had some notes and some things that she had written down based on the Scriptures and I looked real briefly at that. I, I knew a lot about that information. It had to do with the, the Roman Catholic Church and things like that. And so I, I already pretty much knew that. So I put that stuff back together and put it back in the packet. And, and the next service, I gave it back to her. I said, here, thank you for letting me look at this. And You want a copy of it? Oh, no, no, I don't. I told her, I don't need a copy of it. You sure you don't need a copy? No, I don't need a copy of it. And not one time did I acknowledge those papers. Okay? Well, before we having had church the next service, she was calling and saying, well, <clears throat> y'all are judging me the way I look, the way, you know, the way my hair is. And I told the sister, I said, you don't worry about it. That's not what's going on. What's going on? She, did, she didn't get recognized. Now, if you're a true minister, God bless your heart. If you're a true minister, <clears throat> stay here and let us find that out. And if you are, we'll recognize that. But I'm not going to parade you in front of the church and give you a place or a platform to stand on when I don't know you from Adam. <clears throat> and if you got the goods, then let's see the goods and then maybe we'll recognize you with time because we're all of We love ministry, you know. But I told this sister, you know, that's bringing her to church, I said, don't worry about it. It's not, it's not about us. She wasn't recognized. Well, then I found out another person would come in here. And she told my wife, can I testify? Well, I don't know her from Adam either. Can I testify? You know? And it just seemed like we go through these uh, people that come in and they're looking for a place, a platform to be recognized. <coughs> I said, Sister Christina, I said, sure she can testify. The way we do it here at Bible Center Fellowship is we let them write the testimony down and then I'll share. I said, no problem. I said, if she wants to testify, let her write it down and I'll share it with the church. You know, because we, we went down that road in the past of letting people testify. And oh my, you stand up and they'll take, they'll take so much time. You think they're the preacher. <clears throat> Used to drive me crazy. One preacher said he had a cowbell in testimony service, and if they got going too long, he'd hit the cowbell. Ting! That's enough. Yeah, so I, just, I didn't want to bring in the cowbell. <coughs> but, you know, I found out that people love, you know, and, and, and I, I can't understand because the preachers love to hear their own voice. You know that, right? I said, let me say it again because some of y'all look like you didn't hear me. Preachers love to hear their own voice. They're like attorneys. Attorneys love to hear their own voice. Okay? And not just the preacher, but people in the pew, they love to hear their own voice. <clears throat> so they get going and they get to talking and they're hearing their voice in their ear and they, hey, that sounded good. Keep going. <clears throat> and so they're talking, 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 talking. And then they got off into some, you know, things we didn't know about, needed to know about. 
I was going through something the other day. Praise the devil's name. You know what I mean by that, right? Is they giving more glory to the devil than they are God? And I said, no, we're going to take out the testimony service of the church. And we'll just, you write it down and we'll read it. And you notice it only takes me about 30 seconds to read your testimony. We just don't have time, number, number one, to listen to your 10 or 15 minute testimony. You got, you know, several people want to do that. And then no telling what in the world's going to come out of your mouth. <clears throat> you know. You might even say something that might embarrass you or your family. <clears throat> I saw my husband doing something last night over there. Why well, are we going, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, you know, you got some people that are like that. They're, they're looking for a platform, man. They're, they're looking for a place to be recognized. That's what James is talking about. It's not, wisdom from God is not going to be self-promoting. It's not about you looking for a position. It's not about you being recognized or being jealous because somebody else has got a platform that you want or, you know, a recognition that you want or whatever. That's not from God. Ooh. And what's the motive behind your service? Is it because you want money? Is it because you want recognition? You don't recognize them. You'll find out real quick they won't come back. <clears throat> so then what do you have? You found out whether or not if it was really God or if it was them or not. Because if it's God, they're not going to leave a Bible preaching church. But if it's about them, it's about their ego, they'll leave. Because they're governed by the wisdom that's from below. Somebody said, praise the Lord. So when we come here, this should be about God. Amen? Amen. All right, thank God for the two that are praising the Lord. And they're the ones on the platform with me. <clears throat> See that jealousy. I want that position. I want that recognition. I want that place. I want pastor to put me in that. You know. But I told Brother Timothy, and I've told Brother you know, Bishop this before as well the other day. You know how many people wanted to be where you are tonight? That's what I told him last the other night. How many people want to be where you are? And they went through all the process of, of reading all the materials that we require, but I never felt led of God to place them in ministry. I'd let them be used, let them preach, but I never placed them in the ministry because there was something not right in their spirit. Well, guess what? They're gone. That means the judgment was correct not to put them here. But these two men live the life. There's nothing strange going on in either one of these men. Hallelujah. It's not about being flamboyant. It's not about being showy. You know what I'm saying? It's not about that. It's about glorifying and honoring God. Praise the Lord. And you can tell that. Hallelujah. Jealousy. I told Brother Timothy the other day, we were talking on the telephone. I told him, I said, you know, I noticed something. When you preach, people that don't stand up when I preach, stand up when you preach. <coughs> so 
So it kind of makes me wonder. Amen. But I got I gathered myself very quickly and I said, <clears throat> you know, Brother Timothy, when that happens, I've just got to think to myself, I can out preach you all day long, hallelujah. <clears throat> you know. I'm kind of joking with you, you know. But I'm not I'm not intimidated and I'm not jealous of these men. I want them to be better than me. I do want them to be better. I want them to be the best preachers the world has ever seen. The best soul winners the world has ever seen. That's what I want for them. So we were kind of you know, joking back and forth. But I said, Brother Timothy, let me tell you, because i got to keep him humble. So I, I said, let me tell you what's really going on. The reason why they're standing up for you is because they feel sorry for you. <laughs> they're looking at you preaching and they go, oh, bless his heart. Bless his heart. Go, Timmy. Go, Johnny. Hallelujah. Go, Johnny. Go, go, Johnny. Go. You can do it. Yeah, we're with you. Praise the Lord. We know you need, need us to prop you up, you know. <laughs> so I, I had to humble him. You know, after I told him that people were standing up for him that don't stand up for me, I had to explain. They just feel sorry for you. I said, but ultimately, really, they love you and they're with you. And they, they do. They can discern. The body can discern where the goods are. If it's real or not. It's about exalting the flesh. Amen? But that's the truth. Yeah, how many people want to be where they, where they are right now? Placed in ministry. They're not here. And in some cases, that's why they're not here. Because they just, they just, you know, why won't pastor? Because God didn't tell me to. Because we're dealing with the things of God. Now, if we're to gratify the flesh, I'd probably have 10, 15 of them sitting up here right now. If I want to gratify the flesh. But I'd have nothing but flesh. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you all awake? See, that's what I'm talking about. That goes on in the churches. This competition spirit. And it gets in chapter four, verse one. He'll talk about it. It's a combative competition. <coughs> Jealousy. Who's being recognized? Am I being recognized? See, it, brothers and sisters, it's about the flesh. Are you are you understanding that? Okay. So you can discern it real quick. Now. He says, but if you have bitter envy, and that's jealousy, right? It's a hot jealousy. You look at somebody, they're succeeding. And I'm not going to get so much into that now. I'll get into that next week. But you look at somebody's success, and when you look at their success, for whatever reason, their success is to, means to you the lack of your success. If they're successful, that means I'm not successful. If they go up, that means I'm going down. That's the way a lot of people look at person's success. They're just full of jealousy. <clears throat> they can't stand to see somebody else recognize somebody else blessed because for whatever reason, that means that in their thinking, if they're high, I'm low. If they're recognized, I'm not. You see, that's what he's talking about here. Everybody wait? Okay. We'll touch that next week. Y'all want to come back next week? Okay. So <clears throat> that word zealous then means, literally, it means 
a person has a desire for their opinions to be heard. They have a desire and they are consumed with a desire that what they want is recognized in the house. They want recognition. Okay? And it gets it consumes them to the point that they try to force it on the leadership of the church. See, they feel like they got a right to have their opinion, they got a right to have their voice, and you do. But not to the point that you want to usurp the authority or to push your opinion and try to make the leadership do something or see something your way. That's what this word zealous means. Okay? So I'll just give you the actual, the actual definition. It's a strong desire to promote your own ideas to the point, amen, that they feel it must be acknowledged or implemented by the leadership of the church. That's the literal definition of the Greek word zealous that's used here. Okay. The next one is uh, strife. Now, strife. What we think about strife, we think about fussing and fighting and quarreling, right? We talk about strife. But strife, the word in the Greek means to cause a division. So it starts out with envy. <clears throat> I want my opinion. I want what I want to be recognized by the leadership of the church. <clears throat> I want to be recognized. And if they don't get what they want, then they move into the second level, which is strife. Strife is division. It's that separating split spirit. Because they didn't get what they wanted. Didn't give it to them. Now they're going to go in and they're going to start talking to other people in the church to cause a division or a split in that church. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. If you don't agree with, with the pastor of the church or whatever, that's fine. But when you leave, you better not take anybody with you. Because if you take somebody with you, we now recognize what you did was all about you. And you caused a division or strife within the body of Christ. That's what the Greek word literally means. It's erythia. Erythia is the Greek word. And, and so what... They used to use that term strife was a party spirit. <coughs> a party spirit in the sense of ambition. So we got this party. And it creates division in the body of Christ. So here's the definition of it. Erethia is a party spirit or a divisive splitting spirit to promote their views. See, because they didn't get their way, now i got to go in and i got to try to create division within the church. And they'll, they'll try to split your church. Now, I've been in these situations before, and I, so not just preaching the Word of God, but I've been in these situations as a pastor, and I've seen it. Okay? People start trying to pull and split the church of Jesus Christ. That's strife. The, <clears throat> James is saying this doesn't come from God. It's earthly, it's sensual, and it's demonic. So you can discern the Spirit as a high-level intelligence officer of Christianity 
what that person is functioning and they're operating in. Okay? Did they create division? Did they create, did they take people out of the church with them when they went? They didn't get recognized or, or, or whatever. You know, their pride got the best of them. Jealousy, whatever. Okay? That's the second level. So we have, but if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. <clears throat> See, you walk around, well, I'm a believer. And you're creating, you know, you want to be recognized and you're not getting recognized. So you're creating strife or division in the church. And you, but, and you still want to claim to be a believer. James says, don't lie. Stop lying. Look at never say, stop lying. Stop lying. You're, you're not acting like a believer. You're not functioning by the wisdom that is from above, heavenly wisdom. That scared me. Brother and sister, I've got something in me that was put in me a long time ago. It would stare, scare me half to death if I left a church, if I took anybody with me. It would scare me half to death. Because these things are put, they, these are the things that were put into me in my early Christianity, my leadership. Don't, I don't touch it, okay? So if you get somebody that's walking in the earthly wisdom, get away from them. Because they'll sow things in your mind that'll mess you up. The ungodly. Okay, envying. It's coming from envy. It's coming from strife. Desire to, set, to create division. Don't lie against the truth, says James. Hallelujah. <laughs> this wisdom... Descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Verse 16, for where, here we go, where envying, that jealousy, and strife, that division or that party spirit, where that is, what's the next step? There is what? Confusion. Now the word there that's used for confusion is A-K-A-T-A. T-A-S-I-A. Akatatsi. Okay? I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it. But let me explain to you why I'm giving you these definitions. Confusion. What does it mean confusion? The word means to usurp the authority of the leadership of the church. So they didn't get what they wanted, so they caused division in the church. And then ultimately the third level is confusion. That means they usurp authority in the church. That's a sad thing. So this is this is the way you know. You start getting somebody talking in your ear or you got a spirit this morning. You got an attitude in your heart this morning. You can know and I can know if I've got it. I can know what's, what wisdom's working in me. Okay? Praise the Lord. Powerful teaching. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and what? Last thing. Every evil work. Explain it this way to you. It's worthless. It's worthless. It's, it's, it, it produces all kinds of evil. Does it produce anything good? Only worthless things. Okay? So that's the wisdom that's from beneath that you and I need to stay away from that is earthly, sensual, and demonic. 
Now, he goes on and he talks about it. Verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above, that's that heavenly wisdom. Okay? The wisdom that is from above is first pure. Say pure. Oh, wow. So if you're walking in the wisdom of God, then it's pure. That means there's no hidden agendas in you. See, the first one is envy. There's hidden agendas inside of you. It's about you. It's not about God. But when you're walking according to the wisdom of God, it's pure. There's no hidden agendas. You do what you do out of a pure motive. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's the wisdom that's from above. You got pure motives. A lot of people got agendas, right? Not if you're walking in the wisdom of God. There's no hidden agendas in you. You just want to promote the kingdom of God. You want to further the kingdom of God. You want to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. <clears throat> okay? <clears throat> so now, I have to be careful because there's some of you who will never stand on the platform because you're worried about walking in the earthly wisdom that's from beneath. Oh, I don't want to be seen. I don't want to do that. It's your spirit. It's your heart. You're humble before the Lord, right? If you're humble and you're pure, you don't have hidden agendas, get up on the platform and sing. Okay? Does that make sense? See, we don't go to extremes. I just don't want to be seen because I don't want to be walking in that first wisdom. No. There needs to be people that are preach. <clears throat> there needs to be people that are going to sing. There needs to be people that are going to be out front. And there will be <clears throat> recognition. And it's okay because it's godly, because it honors God. It's not about fussing and fighting and quarreling and getting my place and getting my position and getting, I want to get heard and I want to sing and I want to play. And I, <laughs> and if I don't, uh, I'm going to start talking into people's ear and usurping authority. No, man. I, just, I come in fear and trembling when I preach. I come in fear and trembling when I sing because I want to glorify God. Amen. If I dance in the church, if I run around in the church, whatever I do, it's not because I'm doing it to be seen. I'm doing it because I need the victory. I need God in my life. I want to honor God. I want to worship God. So if you see me dance, you see me run, you see me shout, and it's with the right pure motives, I'm moving from the wisdom of God, heavenly wisdom. Amen? So, praise the Lord. And so, and sometimes the people that they won't recognize, you never hear a word out of them. You never see them run. You never see them shout. You never see them sing out loud. Why? They want recognition in a passive-aggressive way. Hey, what's, what's wrong? I, I notice you. <clears throat> I notice you've been down for a while. You know, are you okay? Well, you know, just, you know. And that's all right if, if it's a legitimate problem that you're going through and you're asking for help. But if you're just doing it to be recognized, you fall in the same category. Amen? So it promotes every evil work if you walk in the other. So we're going to be pure. Our agendas are going to be pure. Amen. Just the opposite then of envy. 
Just the opposite of walking in wisdom that is from below is a pure heart. It's not about you. It's about glorifying God. It's not about jealousy. It's about God. Second word he says, it's, then it's peaceable. It's peaceable. Say peaceable. It's peaceable. It's not going to create strife or quarreling. It's not going to create division and separation in the body. Amen? Strife, the quarreling, the cause of the separation. It's going to be peaceful, which means it's going to promote unity in the body. Whatever's the, whatever's the best for the body. Whatever's the best for the church. Not what's best for me, but what's best for, for the church and to glorify God. So pure in agenda, it's peaceful. There's unity in it. They praise the Lord. Easy to be entreated. A gentle, say gentle. And easy to be entreated. Gentle. There's a gentleness to the wisdom that comes from above, from God. Gentleness. A gentleness. Now, when you talk about gentleness, what does it mean gentle? That's a good translation. Gentleness is what you do with a horse. Okay, you got a strong, powerful horse, a spirited horse, right? And it's not tamed until it's tamed. It's not gentle. But you take that horse and uh, you break it. A long time ago, I used to live out west of town. I was raised out in the country. We had chickens, we had hogs, you know, we had horses. We had guineas. Y'all know what guineas are? I'm not talking about a guinea pig. I'm talking about the guinea, you know, look like a chicken, but it's not a chicken. But <clears throat> We had all that stuff, right? And we'd, we'd try to break horses. You know, they weren't broken. You couldn't use them. They just wild. So we'd get on their backs and we'd put a bit in their mouth, you know, and, and most of the time we wouldn't put a saddle on them. We'd just jump up on there and we would and let them buck, let them kick, let them buck. Let them kick, let them buck. Hopefully you don't get bucked off and kicked in the process. You stay, if you can stay long enough on that horse, that horse is going to get... Yeah, she, that horse is going to say, I know who boss. And I'm not boss. The one on my back is boss right now. And pretty soon, that horse that was bucking and kicking and wanting its own way, now it's gentle. You've harnessed its power. Its strength grown tender. Its strength, the horse didn't lose its strength, but the strength, if it's gentle, is under control. It's power that's under control. Amen. That's what gentleness or meekness means. Its strength <clears throat> grown tender. Moses was the meekest man in all the earth. He was strong. He would, see, we talk about meekness, we want to call it weakness. When he talks about gentle, it's not letting people walk all over you. See, that's why I say it's a good translation. If it's translated meekness, we think it means to be weak and just let people walk on you. That's not the wisdom that's from God, to let people walk all over you. No, it's you're still strong, but your strength is under control. Strength grown tender. Moses was strong, but he was the meekest man in all the earth. Strength grown tender. Strength. Are you with me here? Strength under control. 
And so when you're walking in God, you have a pure motives. It's peaceable. You're promoting unity. And it is gentle. That means that you are strong, but that strength is a strength that's under control. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, it's not like an untamed horse. What good is an untamed horse? Man, you see him running the fence line. We used to see him running the fence line out there west of town, running the fence back, back and forth, just wild, just wild, you know. That's the way Paul was. He was an untamed horse, killing Christians until God tamed him. And he got filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. And that strength that he had became under control of the Spirit of God. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <coughs> so you're going to have that strength is going to be used for the right thing. It's going to... If it's gentle, then it means the strength that you have, instead of promoting self and pushing yourself out there and wanting to be recognized and creating quarrelsome situations and fussing and fighting, instead, the strength that you have, you're not going to use it for that. You're going to use it to further the kingdom of God. If you're strong today, use it to further the kingdom of God, not to fuss and to fight and to get your own way. Praise the Lord. This is the wisdom that works from God's Spirit. It's beautiful, isn't it? <clears throat> and easy to be entreated. Easy to be entreated. You're walking in the wisdom that's from above. Easy to be entreated. That means it's approachable. It's approachable. Right? You can't approach somebody that's full of uh, jealousy and strife and confusion. You can't approach them. You know? Because it's about them. But if you're walking in the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God will make you approachable. <coughs> You'll be accessible. Amen? Easy to be entreated. That, and, and one translation, interpretation of that means to, that you're reasonable. Easy to be entreated, approachable and reasonable. So when somebody sits down and tries to reason with you, they can reason with you. Because you're easy, easily entreatable. Right? What it says Easily, easy to be entreated. So you're approachable. Uh, you're reasonable. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you, and I thank God I don't have really much of that anymore here, but there, are, uh, there can be unreasonable situations in the church. You can sit down. I'm telling you, you can sit down. And I mean, I've cried in the office. And I said, okay, if, it's on, if, okay, if I did something wrong, I did it. You know, I just say, forgive me. You know, I did everything I could to try to be approachable and easy and treated. And there are just some people, you can't reason with them. Paul talked about an unreasonable beast, man. No matter what you do, you can't talk to them. You can't get through to them. But the wisdom that's from above <clears throat> is easy to be entreated. It's approachable. You can reason with the person and not only that, but it also means touch. Easy. 
You're easily touched in your heart. Amen? You're not full of yourself. The Spirit of God moves on you and because you have convictions inside of you, if you sin against God, if you do something that's wrong, you don't try to defend yourself. You do something wrong, you sin against God or somebody else, that you don't try to defend them. You say, if you're getting wisdom from God, you say, I did wrong. I've got convictions. And, any, and you can do any little thing wrong against God. And because you're easy to be entreated, that conviction hits you. Amen? It doesn't take much to cause you to weep and mourn before the, before the porch and the altar. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take a big sin in your life before you fall on your face before God. Just, just some little thing in your life that you know you've let the Lord, Lord down in. And because you're easily touched, it'll bring you to tears. Amen. That's what that means. You're getting wisdom from beneath, man. You can't be touched like that. You don't have those kind of convictions that you're easily touched. Okay? So when you're walking in the wisdom of God, you can be approached. Amen. Walking in the wisdom of God, you can be reasoned with. Walking in the wisdom of God, you're touched easy with conviction. You've got convictions in your life. Praise the Lord. That's wisdom from above. Isn't that beautiful? <clears throat> <clears throat> so it's the opposite then of usurping or confusion, usurping authority, wanting your own way, isn't it? Just the opposite of that, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep an open heart. Now, brother, sister, I'm going to tell you as your pastor, I take this very seriously. Okay? I really do. I care about not just what you think, how you think, what you think about. I care about your feelings. And I mean that. I care about your feelings. I do. And for me to stand up and to preach the Word of God to you, you know, month after month, year after year after year, I have to be in touch with who you are as a person. Okay? And there are things that go on I never even say anything about because I don't want to hurt anybody. You with me? Uh, but but you listen, you have a friend in Jesus. But not only do you have a friend in Jesus, you have a friend in your pastor. Because I love you. And I care about you. And as long as I can sit down with you and I can talk to you and I can reason with you and you're easily touched. You know, you don't have all these walls up. Easily touched. We're gonna we're gonna be successful. I'm gonna be successful as your pastor. And you're going to be successful as a saint of God because you're walking in the wisdom which is from above. You get this other stuff, envy and strife and confusion in you, man. It's 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 over. There's nothing we can do, okay? Unless you repent, start walking in the right kind of wisdom. You, you're, when I stand up here, sometimes I'm strong when I preach, but that doesn't mean that I'm not gentle. That doesn't mean that I'm not approachable. 
So sometimes I, I you know, I kind of messing with some of the young young people the other day with their mom walking out the door. I said, now y'all see me up there, you know, red faced, beating on the pulpit, you know, and and I said, uh, but if you need anything, I'm just a phone call away. And if you need to talk to me, I can, we can spend some time together because I care about you. I love you. See, so some, sometimes people see me in the pulpit, you know, beating my fist on the pulpit and red face and, and all of that. Sometimes I come to you, and I'm not a prophet, but sometimes I come to you as a prophet, right? That means strong. But when, when it's one-on-one, -on -one, I'm pastor. And I'm going to do everything I can to try to help you. I want you to know that. Okay? But you have to be willing to let me help you. And so in, in a sense, is that not, doesn't, doesn't that not make us all a little vulnerable? Right? Makes me vulnerable. Makes you vulnerable. But this is the way we should operate. Full of mercy. <clears throat> Say full of mercy. Walking wisdom from above. You know you need mercy. So you extend mercy. Yeah. Jesus was merciful. I need mercy. You need mercy. Praise God. Full of mercy. Hey. So I, I can look at my own life and say, okay, am I walking with the wisdom that's from above? Do I have these characteristics in my life? Am I a merciful person? And, and he goes on and says, and good fruits. <clears throat> Say good fruits. It's about producing good in your life. Good fruits. It's not going to produce confusion and chaos and destruction. It's not going to destroy a church or destroy a people. Or, that's not from God. Amen. It's going to be about good fruits. Without partiality. Right? No partiality, you, you know. And without what? Hypocrisy, duplicity. You're not showing favoritism to, to people based on their color or creed. Or, well, maybe creed, but anyway. No color, not based on color, not based on social status. Not, no, impartial. Okay, Without hypocrisy, that means we're not divided. We're not two soul people. We're not what he talked about in verse 10 of this same chapter. Sweet water and bitter water coming out of the same fountain. You've got sweet water and bitter water coming out of the same person. You're an inconsistent Christian if you're a Christian at all. Amen? The sad part is that sometimes we can walk in the wisdom which is from beneath and also the wisdom which is from above. But we're, And so he said, oh, no, no, that wisdom... That's, heaven, that's earthly, sensual, and demonic. The one that we have from, from God is not a divided spirit. It's not a two-headed monster. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Without hypocrisy. Real quickly, when you look at that verse and you look at the life of Jesus... You see Him. He is all of these things. He is wisdom personified. The wisdom of God from heaven personified. When He came, He was pure in motive. Peaceable. Right? Gentle. Strength under control. Easy to be entreated. Approachable. Right? 
full of mercy. Yes, he was. Good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. That's Jesus. That's who he was. But you think about it. When he stood up and he preached sometimes, the things that he said were searing. They were severe things that he said when dealing with the scribes and the Pharisees. <clears throat> severe things. He called them hypocrites. Amen. Called them serpents. How could he get up and, and preach with it with such severity like he did, but yet never violate the wisdom from above? Because when he did that, when he rebuked those religious leaders of his day with severity like he did, brothers and sisters, he was showing a gentle spirit. Let me explain what I'm telling you. Because he rebuked the religious leaders of his day severely. When the common man heard him preach and expose their hypocrisy, the common man came to the Lord and escaped from the religion of his day. So in his severity, in uncovering the religious folks of his day, he was actually gentle. And it released the people that heard him from the lies of the scribes and the Pharisees. So he never violated that principle. And not only that, brothers and sisters, because he preached like he did to them. You know, he said, you're a whitewashed sepulcher. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. <clears throat> you read Matthew, what he says. Whitewashed sepulchre. You look good on the outside, but you're full of dead man's bones. He said that. Well, did he ever violate this principle of gentle, being gentle? Strength? No, he was always strong under control. But the gentle, the, the gentleness, strength under control, even though those messages were <coughs> severe, caused not only the people to come out from underneath their control, but it caused many of them to believe themselves. You read the book of Acts, the Bible talks about there were people of the Pharisees that believed in Jesus. So it might not have sounded channel when it came out of his mouth, but it was because it set the common man free. And many of those that were in, in the religious leadership of the day, they believed in the Lord. Woo! You just go through these verses, you'll see this is a perfect example of Jesus Christ. And I wonder if James was thinking about the Lord when he wrote these things. So I'm asking you today, and I'm asking myself today, am I walking in the wisdom which is earthly, sensual, and demonic, which is full of jealousy, envy, strife, selfish ambition, and causing confusion, usurping the or am I walking in the wisdom which is from above? It's pure. It's peaceable. <clears throat> mm. Gentle. Easy to be entreated. Full of mercy. Good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Are your motives pure today? 
Do you desire to promote unity in the body? Is it about God or is it about you? Are you easy to be? Are you gentle? Are you strong? But, and your strength is under control for the kingdom of God, not for yourself or your own ways, amen, or ideas to be promoted. Strong for God. Full of mercy. Are you full of mercy? Good fruits without partiality. You don't show favoritism without duplicity, hypocrisy. Amen. Hallelujah. What a beautiful message this is. And I'm almost done. What's it going to produce? <clears throat> well, if you're promoting the wisdom of the world, then you're going to promote the ways of the world and the way the world does things. And you're going to bring it into the church and God's going to say, see, I'm not in that. He won't compete with that. So don't be a master in intelligence or a chief intelligence officer in the things of the world and the way the world does things. Be a chief intelligence officer in the, thing, in the way that God does things. By His Word, obeying His Word, believing His Word, living by His Word. Hallelujah. Okay. What will it produce? The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So this person is going to be a humble person. He's going to be a person of peace, looking for peace. I need peace, don't you? I'm looking for peace, man. Hallelujah. You know, you get these people that want to fuss and fight all the time, always wanting to fuss and fight all the time, crawl and want their ways, you know, all the time. And I'm thinking, don't you put any kind of value on peace? I put value on peace, man. Amen. How many of y'all want peace? <coughs> Enough of the fussing and the fighting and the turmoil and the division and strife and all of that stuff that goes on. That's the way the world does it. Man, I'm looking for some. I need some peace in my life. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't want to be sucking in soap. He <coughs> called the ambulance and sat in front of the pastor's house. What's wrong with the pastor? He sucked in soap. <laughs> he sucked in soap. He's dealing with all this crazy stuff, you know. Amen. He forgot to not breathe. Sometimes you're supposed to, you know, remember not to breathe. And I didn't remember not to breathe. And pay the price. Amen. <clears throat> God wants you to have peace in your home. He wants you to have peace in your life. He wants you to have He wants us to have peace in the church. We're always fussing and fight with each other. Man, we're not operating by the wisdom that's from heaven. We're operating from the wisdom that's earthly, sensual, and demonic. There's always division in the church all the time, fussing and quarreling all the time. Who wants that? You know, that's not from heaven. When we walk in this proper kind of peace, it will produce, and you will sow peace in peace. I said the other night, you got we got to start sowing some different things in our life. If you want peace, sow peace. Hallelujah. How many of y'all want peace? Then sow peace. How many of you want love? Then sow love. <clears throat> Praise God. Or do you want to keep sowing strife and fussing and fighting and quarreling and bitterness and hatred and 
you know, self-promotion and I want it my way. Or, right? Come on in. Everybody come. Do whatever you want to do. However you want to do it. We'll give you whatever you want to do. Just come. That's the way of the world. But the Bible says, the fruit of righteousness. Of what? Righteousness. That's talking about a godly life. Holiness is what this wisdom will produce. It'll produce a righteous life. You understand? And if you if you have a, a life that's been changed by the power of God's Spirit, power of the new birth, the power of the Word of God, you're living by faith, serving God. And you don't get caught up in all these other things. You're so in peace in your life. See, I can't get over here with you because if I get over here with you, I can't keep having peace in my life. And that's pastor's job. So you call him. But I can't let you take away my peace. You, you take away his. He, he, gets, he gets paid to be in turmoil. You can... <coughs> right? But I still got peace in me. Amen. That's why you don't, we don't want to get caught up in all this stuff, man. It'll just take your peace. And wonder why people have, you know, stomach problems, man. Ulcers, bleeding ulcers, man. Blood coming out. Yeah, those worrying and fussing and fighting all the time, getting in and every fight they can, you know. But God wants you to have peace in your life. You, so you're walking in the wisdom that's from above. It's going to be. It's going to produce holiness in your life, and it's going to produce longevity. You bring in the ways of the world into your life. You bring in the ways of the world into a church. Oh, it'll shine for a little bit. You'll have temporary explosion for a little bit. You'll have numbers for a little bit, but it won't last because it's not the right kind of wisdom. It's not the right kind of intelligence. It's the wrong, not the right kind of knowledge. People that give themselves to that first wisdom that's from beneath, they're just a flash in the pan. Here today, gone tomorrow. Temporary. Doesn't last. Okay? But the thing that the wisdom is from God is it will produce a holy life, a righteous and godly life. Amen? It's something that will last. I was talking, as I come to a close, I was talking to Brother Mark. Brother Timothy and Brother Jonathan the other night at the family night. By the way, that was a fantastic family night. I just, I really felt great. I felt peace. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, you know. And uh, I did. I really did. I felt peace and looked like y'all were having fun together and enjoying each other. And I, I, I just love that, you know. And so we were sitting down at the table and we were talking and. Uh, Something came up. I said, how long have you been in the church? I said, Brother Timothy said, I've been in the church 15 years. And then Brother Jonathan said, I've been in the church 20 years. And then Brother Mark said, I've been in the church 25 years. <clears throat> okay? <clears throat> and Brother Mark said, but somebody's family said, that's unheard of for a person to be in, a, in one church, the same church, for 25 years. How is that possible? Because of righteousness. It's built, if the church is built right, 
It might not be fast. It might not grow fast. But it's going to be strong. It's going to be sown in peace and righteousness is going to be the, what is produced there. That's what's going to come up. It's going to be a godly lifestyle and it's going to be long-lasting. It won't be temporary. It won't be a fad that comes and goes. Churches, a lot of churches get in the newest fad. You're going to come and go. But you build it on the Word of God. That's why we call this church Bible Center Fellowship. To build the church of the living God on the Word of God. And if you do that, it won't be, you won't have the big numbers most of the time, but you'll have longevity. You'll have people that have been in it a long time 25, 20, and 15 years. Amen. Say praise the Lord. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for something that will produce a godly lifestyle, a righteous lifestyle. It's long lasting. Say amen. Hallelujah. So we can build it like a mulberry tree or we can build it like an oak tree. And I used to trim trees. You think, man, he sure has done a lot. Yeah, when we first started the church mowing one yards and trimming trees, you know. And Brother Mark will tell you, well, them mulberries, they grow fast. You know, you can plant them small mulberry tree and go drive by there in about three years. It's full-grown tree, you know. And they grow fast. And I, most of the trees that I trim were mulberry trees. So they just grew out of control. You know? Some people plant them right next to their back door. You know, big old roots up tearing up their sidewalk and everything else, right? But I got me a tree. Got me some shade. Well, you got you a weed tree. Grows fast. How long they live, Brother Mark? About 25, 30 years. Okay. So they grow fast, but they don't last. And you always got to cut on them all the time. You always got to worry about the roots all the time. But you plant an oak. Little, you got a little oak. Is that an oak seed? Is that what they call that? Acorn. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm talking to the farmer back there. <clears throat> Plant that acorn in the ground, right? Starts out as a little acorn. Grows into an oak. It grows slow. Real slow. You look at that tree, from year to year, it hardly ever even grow. You know? Praise the Lord. But it's growing deep, and it's growing strong. And that wood is not, that's not a weed tree. That's a strong tree. And it grows slow. Not fast. But it lasts how many years, Brother Mark? 1,500 years old. Right here in Texas, man. Hallelujah. Well, we might not be big and we might not be fast. We just good. We just good, man. We're not, building a, we're not trying to grow a mulberry tree here. We're trying to grow an old oak tree. Praise God. Amen. So people will be around here for a while. When seriously, we're trying to hold on to everybody we can. That's the truth. You might not think we are, but we're trying to hold on to everybody we possibly can. Hallelujah. Amen. So I appreciate the longevity in, in many of you. Uh, but that's what the wisdom of God will produce. It'll produce longevity, godly lifestyle, and you'll have peace in your life. Praise the Lord. How many of y'all love the Lord today? Hallelujah. So be an oak. Be an oak. You just stand, please. Father God, we thank you today for giving us this very specialized, high-level intelligence so we know, God, the 
the intelligence of the enemy, how the enemy works. And we understand the intelligence from God, from heaven, by your word. So in that, Lord, it'll help us to, to live the Christian life without duplicity. Help us live the Christian life, Father, to be strong, to produce righteousness and godliness and holiness. Not a flash in the pan, worldly, entertainment-based church, but a church that's based in the wisdom that's from above. And God, I thank you for your saving work in our lives. Give us the strength and the power and the victory to overcome. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Just want to say this to you. No matter what you do in life, no matter how hard you fall, don't quit fighting the good fight of faith. You, the, the problem is, is if you do fall, you quit, you give up, it's over. You know, and you stop listening to the wisdom that's from above. You start listening to the wrong wisdom. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you something. God is a merciful God. And He's very long-suffering. He is. Amen. And He gives us space to repent. But you better do something when He gives it to you. You better do something with it when He gives it to you. Because if you don't, you might not recover yourself. But you keep fighting the good fight of faith, brothers and sisters. If some situations come up in the church, you, you start thinking in your mind, well, maybe I'm the next one out. You don't even have to think about that. You don't even have to worry about that. And we all come short of the glory of God. But keep fighting. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. You say, well, I haven't overcome that thing in my life. Well, as long as you're fighting, your pastor's going to be with you. And I'm going to fight with you until the end. You quit on me, I can't do nothing for you. You understand? May the Lord bless you real good. I love every one of you. Go to somebody and tell them that you love them and say, I'm praying that you'll walk in the peace which is from above, from God in your life. Amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord this morning.